Okay, let's open our Bible up to Psalm 23. Psalm chapter 23. And the title of this talk is Asleep in Christ. So this uh, is a psalm that is very popular and it's often uh, read or associated with funerals. But it's actually, uh, it's got brilliant words. It's very positive um, about the Lord and how he's there with us. So I'll just read a little Psalm 23 as uh, we lead into some scriptures about asleep in Christ. So verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, Jesus Christ is our shepherd and uh, we will not want anything in our life. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters. And it says elsewhere that he'll lead us out and in uh, to find good pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, he lets us know uh, how to uh, walk in righteousness. He didn't leave us on our own to make it up, uh, but he leads us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, because the Lord is with us, within us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So comfort comes along with that, and we know the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over, pressed down, shaken together. Our cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, dwell with the Lord forever uh, in the spiritual realm, uh, which is God's plan. So uh, as I said, that was uh, Lena's favourite psalm, and, uh, and she got great comfort from that for obvious reasons. Uh, there's wonderful uh, comforting words in there and, uh, and she reflected on her life and uh, used to say that all the good things I have come from God and uh, it's all wrapped up in this psalm. We'll go to uh, Psalm 116. 116, just one verse here before we go into the uh, New Testament. Psalm 116. It says here, verse 15, Psalm 116 and verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious. You know, um, so this is not meant to be a sad time. You know, the Lord uh, has designed it otherwise, that it's not meant to be a sad time when his saints die. It's precious in the eyes of the Lord. In a way, the Lord is rejoicing that, hey, look, this, uh, this precious uh, person that, uh, that the Lord loves, that the Lord calls, has called for a purpose, has guided through all their life. Now it's just wrapped up and secure and safe, asleep in Christ. And, uh, and that's the wonderful thing. Uh, when we see uh, people fall asleep in the Lord, it's, um, it's not meant to be a sad time. It's meant to be a time of rejoicing for us. Of course, 
like I said before, we're sad, really sad, to miss them. You know, uh, that's a very personal thing that uh, we feel when, uh, when someone dies, that, uh, that we'll miss them so much. Uh, but the Lord's plan is greater than that. It's so precious in the sight of the Lord uh, when his saints die. Um, over to our Romans chapter 7. We'll stay in the New Testament now. Romans chapter 7. And verse 18. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh or in my body, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members or in my body. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And so we, we're all, we understand completely where Paul is coming from here. You know, uh, we all have a desire to do good. We have a desire to uh, follow all of God's commandments. Uh, we have a, a desire to, uh, to be a great testimony. That's our desire, to do good. And God's put that in us and he actually helps us. But how often do we fall short? How often do we, uh, do we think, oh, no, I messed up again. Whoops. You know, I did something that I regret. I uh, said something that I regret. You know, that's where Paul's coming from is like, I want to do good, but the evil which I don't want to do, that's what I do. Um, and, uh, but then he, he provides this clarity, this separation, that uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it says it's no longer him that's doing it, but sin that's in his body. This bizarre separation. And so there's this war, it uses the word warring there. So our life, and it's, look, it's the way the Lord's designed, it's the best thing. It's uh, the next step is uh, eternal life. It's the best scenario we have in this situation where we have the Holy Spirit in us, uh, in the flesh, and, um, and there's this kind of warring thing that goes on, and we understand that. Now, the reason I'm reading this is. That is no longer a problem for Lena, right? She has left her earthly tabernacle. She's not in a position now where she can say, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? She's been delivered. You know, she's uh, purely spiritual now. But uh, the body of the death is gone. It's not in her life anymore. 
that, uh, that, that this, this warring has stopped. You know, the, the desire to do good but realising you fall short. The desiring to, to do things that are right before the Lord and realise, oops, I messed that up. That's all gone for Lena. She's free from that. Back to chapter 6 and verse 3. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death. So it's this other aspect that we know about, that, um, that through baptism to us we just got wet, but in the eyes of the Lord it's like we died with Christ. So in a way, our body is dead in the eyes of the Lord. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, that, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is this aspect, which is odd. I mean, we know we're alive, but in the eyes of the Lord, who's spiritual, who looks at spiritual things. And that's why verse 7, it says, He that's dead is freed from sin. So in the eyes of the Lord, well, we have been buried with Christ, we've been crucified with him, we are, uh, our, our body is dead, and so we are free from sin while we live. But there's that other aspect, that uh, when a saint dies, you know, they are freed completely from sin. They can sin no more. They don't have these members, uh, the voice and so forth, that can, uh, can cause trouble, cause sin. It's gone. It doesn't function anymore. Uh, they are freed from sin. And uh, um, where is it? And that, that example, which is so important, that uh, Jesus died and is risen again. Now we have died and will rise again. And that's important, this, um, this pathway, this example that Jesus has led by that he was there first, and, uh, and we can draw upon that. It's so important. So uh, John chapter 11, just this aspect that I want to bring out that we know and understand, but uh, I want to read it in the Bible. John chapter 11, this is uh, the chapter of Lazarus, where Lazarus was sick and um, Jesus waited um, basically waited until he died. And then um, when he was dead for four days, 
he came by and uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. But in it, verse 11, I want to say this, how the Lord sees things. So John chapter 11 and verse 11. And these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. You know, we don't like to disturb anyone who's fast asleep. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So Jesus says here that our friend Lazarus, you know, or our friend, a saint, sleeps, right? Yeah, we say that they died, but spiritually speaking, they're just asleep. And it's a, a wonderful type that, um, that when someone's asleep, they are dreaming or whatever, and then the next thing they know, they wake up and I'm awake now. There's a gap, really, in their life. It's like the Lord's given us this example for us to understand that every day we need to go to sleep. Every day we, uh, we go to bed knowing we'll wake up the next day because it happens so often in our life. We're just so used to it. And the Lord's training us, if we will be trained, that to understand that, hey, you know, when our life ends here on earth, in his eyes, we're asleep. So with confidence, we should go asleep knowing we'll wake up. The same thing that happens every day. Um, we're not afraid to go asleep at night because we know we're going to wake up. The Lord's saying, look, we shouldn't be afraid when we go fall asleep in Christ because we know we will wake up. We've got that confidence. We live in a shadow of things to come. And so it's important in the eyes of the Lord, Lazarus here was asleep. But what's beautiful, and this is the same with us, we could put our name there. You know, uh, the Lord's friend, such and such, sleeps. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. See, Jesus looks forward to the time when he will come and wake us out of sleep. To wake Lena out of sleep. Wake all the other saints out of sleep. Come on, it's morning now. Wake up. <laughs> Let's look forward to living a life with the Lord in the spiritual sense. Let's look forward to this wonderful daybreak, this wonderful dawning. It says that Jesus is the son of righteousness, S-U-N. You know, the, da the dawning of things. So come on, wake up. This is exciting. But this aspect of sleeping is so important. Uh, when, uh, when we shed this, this tabernacle that we live in now, that we will be asleep looking forward to the day. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 47. First Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 47. The first man 
is of the earth. Earthy, the second man, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. O death, where is thy sting? The impact is gone. You know, the sting of um, an insect, it's gone. You know, that same sort of thing. There's no victory. Jesus has the victory over the sting of the grave. And because of this, this aspect, and at the start, yes, I kind of left a bit beforehand, but when it refers to the first man is of the earth, that's referring to Adam, He's of the earth. The second man refers to Jesus Christ, which is the Lord. He's heaven. He's from heaven. He's heavenly. You know, a, a different, um, different body and a different aspect altogether. So Adam, which is where we started, was corruption, was mortal. Jesus Christ, which is where we are now, is incorruption and immortality. And, uh, and as a result, death no longer has a sting, has an impact. And because of that, that knowledge and that understanding that we, we have in our life, we are steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's that confidence we have. We're lifted up. You know, um, we are confident in our future, no matter what happens. We've got it. We can read it here and uh, on your own. You can go through these verses yourself and, and dwell on them to have that confidence that uh, we will stay put and worship the Lord. Um, also have to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a wonderful passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it's commonly read out at uh, spirit-filled funerals. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, we'll start in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant. In other words, I would have you to understand, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, 
that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So yes, we sorrow, but our sorrow is different because we have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And that's why, of course, uh, I'm bringing these scriptures out uh, today. And the aim is to comfort one another with these words. These are words of comfort. And uh, no matter what words I could say or uh, draw upon whatever experience I have, there's no way I could comfort other saints in the same way that these scriptures do. Uh, these are keynote scriptures that, um, that, like I said, like we sorrow, we miss people and uh, we, we yearn for their company. But our sorrow is different uh, because of this hope that we have, this uh, hope that is reassured, uh, that's become a confidence that, uh, that we have in the Lord, that uh, we know It's written here and it's referred to elsewhere in the scriptures that uh, Jesus will return with the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, with a lot of noise. It'll be obvious when Jesus returns. We can't be waking up in the morning thinking, oh, did I miss it? Did Jesus come back and I didn't know about it? No, there'll be a racket. Whatever that is, whatever form that comes in, We've been reassured, and this whole thing as well. Like, uh, and I'm sure um, Paul is kind of drawing upon some some ideas that might have been floating around at the time. How um, our actions, or what we say, or what we do, might actually somehow impact on other people that are asleep in the Lord, and their um, the the possibility of them being raised up. You know, there's, and that's being tied up in traditions as well. You know, some people like uh, um, purgatory and all these things. But no, it's got nothing to do with it. They're secure, they're safe. There's nothing more we can do. There's nothing less that we can do that uh, we will never prevent them. It's all completely between them and God. Our influence on their life has gone. And uh, we just uh, look at our own relationship with the Lord, encourage each other so that uh, we know that uh, uh, whoever falls asleep in Christ, we have this hope in them as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, apologies, I uh, could have said um, we go back there, but 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So that was a, 
a thing uh, in the church at Corinth and and others as well that uh, about this whole resurrection from the dead. And it happened before um, Jesus uh, was walking on the earth. You know, there was two sects, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, but the Pharisees did. Uh, it's kind of out there, <laughs> you know, and uh, we see it today. For those that are using their own natural understanding, they can't grasp the whole resurrection thing. It's out of this world. It's like um, a superhero stuff. But... Um, And so that's what Paul is tackling here in the Corinthian church. I'll read it again. Verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? It's logical. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and our faith is also vain. It's a cornerstone of our faith that Jesus rose from the dead. That uh, he, his life didn't end on the cross, being murdered, um, basically so far from God. It's not our preaching. Our preaching and our faith is not vain. Verse 15, yea, And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Referring also, this time as well to... Oh, I'll read on. It goes on. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. So everything is orderly in the kingdom of God. There's a time and a place for everything. And you look through history and the relationship of God with mankind, it is uh, everything in its own place. And it's the same thing. Jesus had to be the first fruit. And after that, then come those that are Christ's, that have been bought with a price, that have been purchased by his blood, because we are Christ, we belong to him, and uh, we'll be made alive uh, in order at his coming. I'll just turn the heater on again. Excuse me. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse 9. So Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Verse 9 is uh, a wonderful scripture. It's one we use a lot when uh, witnessing to people for the first time. It just explains things with clarity as so many other things in Romans 8. So Romans 8 
chapter 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There's an ownership thing here that's uh, reflecting again. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, or children. And, uh, and the sons are the ones that have, traditionally, the inheritance. We're all the sons. We all have the inheritance uh, as the same as uh, Jesus Christ, the firstborn son. We are the nextborn sons. And uh, where is it? This confidence that I often refer to, that, uh, and, it's, and we sing a chorus, that the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, so that spirit that dwells in us is that same spirit that moved to raise Jesus from the dead. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. The Holy Spirit did. And so we have that in us. And so it's logical. It's just the Bible's so full of logic. <laughs> it makes sense that if this Holy Spirit dwells in us and we know it because we speak in tongues, we know we've got the Holy Spirit in us. We see answers as well to prayer. We see miracles happening in our life. We see the Lord working in our life. If that's in us, then we will be also raised from the dead by the power of that same Holy Spirit. We won't raise ourselves from the dead by our own goodness, strength, whatever, the Holy Spirit will do it for us. And uh, that also takes the worry away from us, leaving it up to God. God, God it's your problem. You've sorted it out, so sort it out. <laughs> I'll just do my best here, wriggling around here on earth as best I can, knowing that you've chosen me and knowing that uh, you've called me for a purpose and that I have this desire to follow you, but you sort that stuff out. And I'll do the best I can here on earth. Penultimate scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Peace is so important. And that's exactly what Lena was saying. She felt this peace. Let it be multiplied. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So time will not corrupt this inheritance the Lord has preserved for us. It's uh, separate from that. It's a spiritual inheritance. And, uh, and I like how it says there at the end of verse 5, it's, uh, it's kept ready to be revealed in the last time. Now we, with our eyes and ears and mind and so forth, it's quite restricted in our understanding of the kingdom of God. But we know it's good. That's part of our faith as well. We know God has something uh, preserved that is wonderful, a wonderful inheritance for us, undefiled, incorruptible, that doesn't fade. It's reserved for us. They're very nice words, personal words, reserved for you and to be revealed to you in the last time, and to all those that are asleep in Christ. Let's finish up Philippians chapter 4. My Bible just about opens up to this page. Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So in this time... The Lord's asking us to still rejoice, to rejoice always, you know, even when we're feeling sad, to rejoice and uh, not to be anxious for things, but through prayer and supplication, rejoicing in the Lord, praying, thanksgiving, and then this peace of God will, that will come into our hearts and minds that passes all understanding, reassurances, confidence. You know, people have put this into practice and found out that it's true. You know, rejoicing in the Lord and praise the Lord, we can truly rejoice with Lena. We can truly rejoice. You know, it's just fantastic to know. Um, I mean, as you all know, like I am so sad uh, that, uh, that she's not here. So sad. But I just can't help but smile that she's... Th- just rejoice in the Lord that, um, that she's there. And, uh, and, and myself, through prayer and supplication, I'll experience that peace that Lena spoke about so much as well, that confidence that Lena had as well in the Lord, that uh, all is good with her. And if uh, we truly cared for Lena herself, we would want all to be good for her. And uh, we can rejoice in that. Thank you, everyone.